And welcome back, finally, to the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Maggio, as always. My co-host, Mike Car- uh, Cortez and Sean Geddes. What's going on, guys? You're... What is good, man? Look, just happy to be back talking, not just basketball, but winning New York Knicks basketball. And before we get into all the winning, because it's been a, a lot, despite the uh, late game theatrics by the Cardiac Knicks, um, <laughs> you know, I just want to... A lot. We've gotten a lot of messages, obviously, a lot of DMs and, and comments about where the podcast has been. Uh, won't get into any grueling details or anything like that, but uh, just it, it was me. I was the hang up. I was the hold up. Uh, last couple of months, personally, there was a lot going on uh, for various di- different reasons. It was almost weekly and never ending for me. Uh, I'm starting to get out of the woods now. I'm back. That's why we're on the pod. So I sincerely apologize. We have great listeners. I never want to you know, want you guys to think that we're not trying to do the show or, or put it off or abandon you guys in any way, but uh, just a, a excruciating period of time for me for a couple of months, but we are actually back. Things are looking up and we're ready to talk. So that's basically it. We're going to be back with you guys weekly. We're going to have some uh, post-game recap type pods coming up with a new smaller team. Going to tease you here because uh, it's going to be good stuff, uh, but you know, starting right now, getting back on schedule, moving forward for you guys. So just wanted to explain that ahead of time. Uh, yeah, any questions or anything else, you know, obviously contact me, but, you know, just want to get that out of the way. But more importantly, Knicks basketball. Uh, the warden, as they call him, R.J. Barrett put on a show against the shorthanded Pelicans. We have a lot to talk about to go to work back with over the last two weeks, the, the, the last six games of Knicks basketball. But we got to start with Rowan having a career night in New Orleans. That was a shorthanded. New Orleans team, Brandon Ingram was missing. Uh, he was doubtful with the right hip contusion, but I think as most of us pointed out, he was just uh, afraid of the jail that RJ was going to put him in because that's the kind of season that we started out with, with uh, Sir Rowan. But I- I'm going to just toss it up right to Sean to begin with. Uh, you know, w- what were your initial, uh, of course, uh, overwhelmingly positive and victorious thoughts as we take our victory lap here on, on RJ's breakthrough night? 35, what, 8 and 6 he had last night? Just 35, 8, and 6 on 67% from the field and 75% from three. Insane. 35 points on 18 shots. 35 points, 18 shots, and only went to the free throw line six times. Five for six. What what more can you ask for? Like, I, I don't what, – what a night, bro. Like, what a redeeming night. Um, and it was a super annoying game. You know, it was a shorthanded Pelicans team. We shouldn't have been in that close of a game. It's like a lot of the same stuff, like not putting games away and all that stuff. Got on my nerves. I almost had a headache. But like watching RJ just put it away, like made everything okay. Like it also put my stresses away. Like it was just like, wow, he really buried them. Because there was a point, honestly, you know, for everyone who watched that game, as great as it was and as great as RJ was and as nice as it is to have 35, 8, and 6 on 12 for 18 and 6 for 8 from 3, RJ could have had a better game than that. We didn't go through him for long periods of time. Like, it, it, it's, it's very frustrating. But toward the end, it was like, when he came around that screen and hit that first three and system, we won the game. Because then it was like, okay, you have to go- give him the ball now. 
that was when we decided like because he couldn't come around and hit that shot and then you come back down and do another Randall ISO so it's like it was really nice to be able to see him get the chance to do that one have the opportunity and two do it so effect efficiently and effectively like he the, the second three after that were just like game blouses like I was I was overjoyed. Like my brother was like, I, I saw him hit that shot and I came looking for your tweet. And I was like, yeah, like this is, I was in my room losing it, man. It was, it was very emotional. And um, it's just a sign of things to come. You know, this is here at the RJ. He was the best player on the floor in the Chicago game um, with Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Julius, all the, a lot of people on here getting paid a lot of money. RJ Barrett, best player on the floor, two way. Uh, made the game-winning stop, had 20 points on another efficient. I think it was 8 for 13, or, or he was 8 for 12 at a point, and then we'd stop giving him the ball completely in the fourth quarter. Um, so I hope that we can now stop doing that. You know, I hope that he gets more touches, more pistol actions, more pick and roll, high pick and roll, um, because he just – he did it in so many ways. He did it from three. He did it get into the basket. He did it in transition. Like, oh man, how, how, how did you feel about it, Mike? Because I know we were all on there celebrating. We're all taking our victory laps because we are RJ Truthers. Well, first, I want to thank Kyle for taking the bullet. But the truth is, I started taking a RJ victory lap after opening night. And every time I keep trying to come home, I just have to keep running. And last night gave us another reason. I, I mean, you broke it down, Sean. I really think it was a culmination of his greatest hits from Team Canada, Duke, and even early on in the Knicks career. Like, he did everything scoring-wise that we've seen him do in different aspects of his career finally bundled into one game, and it was beautiful. There was at no point that I felt this game was out of reach because RJ had his pulse on it. And one of my favorite plays he had, I mean, the Mitch Lob was gorgeous, but there was a play late in the game where he was driving. He knew the defense was on him. Taj rolled, beautiful feed. It was just showing that he doesn't have tunnel vision. That was another main concern coming out of college. He knows what he has to be done. And if he starts hitting up pull-up threes, he only hit 30% last year from those, and he didn't really shoot a ton. He hit four last night alone. If that becomes part of his game, that's a whole other game for the Knicks now. Now they're legit three-headed monster with Kemba. Randall. Randall's been struggling, but I feel confident that he's going to be okay. But now you have three people that can theoretically close out the game. Four, if you want to include Fournier, because Fournier did close out opening night. He's a corner specialist. He's been knocking stuff down. So now you have four guys that can close out a game. That's literally double of what we were last year. So just to put that into context. Don't, don't forget Derek Rose. And Derrick Rose, yeah, I'm not going to forget him. That's five guys that can theoretically close out a game. It's just, it's just great to be here. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the RJ stuff is like, for example, last night, he threw me for a loop, you know. So I was going to work the game last night. Pete drew out a cover for me in the first half. Thank you guys, of course. But so when I came back in the second half, I had RJ duty. And as soon as I sat down on the couch, I thought, okay, I'm going to ease in here. You know how the, I mean, this is a very balanced attack with the Knicks right now. So I'm thinking, you know, how, how we do the clips, you know, we, we trade off, we do, you, you do a couple, I do a couple, nice little tag team, nobody's overburdened. As soon as I sat down, bro, RJ goes nuts. It was like two, three different spurts. We just goes nuts. Put my feet to the fire. As soon as I sat down on the couch, I had to start, you know, like a madman. It was one after another doing RJ clips. And then every time I think I could, I could relax, I could just, for a second, maybe we're going to put the game away. We don't. And all of a sudden, what happens? Another RJ outburst. You know, you, you brought up the pass. I jumped out of my seat for the pass more than I did with the shots because the shots, you know, I think even though they were off the dribble, which is what we want to see, of course, not not to say that we expect him to be drilling those, but like I've gotten more confident in him just in general and taking three. So when he's taking them, I'm like, oh, that's good, you know? 
And when they go in, I sort of expect that he's going to hit them progressively at a higher clip. I didn't expect him to do both of those the way that he did them, but seeing him make the reads that he made last night was more exciting to me because everybody loves to say that he's just, you know, okay, he could score a little bit, but what about his vision, right? I love hearing that because it shows me you don't pay attention to RJ Barrett when he's on a basketball court, whether it was a Duke or whether, you know, it's games or where he had the requisite spacing that he needs. But um, intelligent basketball players need space and a scheme that fits them. And I think RJ's finally starting to fall into that. And I think Tibbs is starting to get him there because there's space now. They're shooting all over the floor. Like you guys brought up like the Fournier thing. One of my, besides like the me being a skeptic of Fournier ahead of this, I, didn't, I also didn't like, I felt like in, Orlando, he did a little too much with the ball. I didn't like that. I liked that he could shoot, but I was worried coming in because we wanted RJ to be empowered. I didn't want any disturbance in the pecking order. And, you know, first couple of games, I don't really get too high or too low, even when Fournier's having an outburst and RJ started the first couple of games at least scoring slow. But now we're starting to see, like, yes, Fournier's sitting there in the corner. He's drilling his shots. We're running the ball through RJ. If Randall doesn't have it, like, that's what I want to see, regardless of the opponent that we have every day. And then when you do it that way, in a way where this defense cannot cheat off on, on the Alfreds anymore. You can't cheat. You can't. You, you just can't. You got to stay out there on Kemba. You got to stay out there on Fournier. I believe – I don't have the exact number. I should have had it for this pod, but I know that they're amongst the, the league leaders right now and three-pointers made the entire league. They're just – I mean, it's not going to – you know, they're, they're both shooting, I mean, crazy amounts right now. It's gonna, not, not going to sustain the whole year, but, I mean, there's no reason to think with good, open, clean looks that they can't be eating pretty regularly, right? So – the defense has to at least respect them and fear them a little bit. And now RJ, yes, a pick and roll opportunity with Mitchell Robinson, you know, a, a, a lob, you know, to Taj even. Taj is, is about to collect retirement next year. And, and he's running to the rim because RJ's got a full head of steam and he's clearing out this space for Taj. And what does he do? That was not an easy pass that he made. This is why I want to talk about it. It was not an easy pass. He drew Valanchunas. Valanchunas is a monster, by the way. Monster. He, highest energy guy almost in the league, maybe. He, that guy never stops. He's always in somebody's face. He's always throwing his, his weight around, bumping in. I mean, never stops, right? So RJ already going at him at late in the game was already impressive to me. But he takes him all the way out, out of bounds. Remember, he ran out of bounds he, to, to make this pass. Runs left to the rim, out of bounds. Scoop under back to Taj, amazing, amazing vision. And people constantly downplay this with him, and it bothers me because it's like, damn, like I, I get that it could sound like excuses about the space and the spacing, but like, man, if you ever watched the first year and a half of Knicks basketball, it was not easy for him space-wise. It was always him trying to like, and he's a big guy, you know? We say this a lot, big frame, a lot of strength. It's not easy to throw that weight around and your body around when you got to fit through small openings everywhere. You don't have the power or the strides that you want to take. Now he's starting to get a full head of steam and be confident. And we saw how many reads did he make last night that were proper, proper, perfect reads to Mitchell Robinson. Perfect. Knows exactly where to throw. And if it wasn't Mitch, Taj, you know, like he knew where to put stuff last night. And then he also knew when to attack because it, it was basically just his, his awareness inside of the paint. He knew exactly when he was going to score, use his strength, uh, you know, get to the rim, dump it off, throw a lob up. I mean, it's just a lot to get excited about because normally we get excited about one thing with the player. Their scoring is good. The defense is good. It's, it's a different thing when we have a third year player who's excelling at the way that he's excelling in all these different departments. And we like, we haven't even talked about the defense. We, we just mentioned it earlier. We just did like 10 minutes on, wow, the offense was amazing. That's what we want to see. And like, that's, that's kind of like what this is about, you know, like that, that's exciting to see from him. And, and we've been screaming this and people have been downplaying it with him. You know, because everybody says they're not about the numbers, right? They're not about the numbers, but 
for R.J. Barrett, we are. We're, we're all about defense and all about passing, but for R.J. Barrett, we are. And it, it's nice when he has these games that shut people up. So I, obviously we want to see more of them, but like, wow. I mean, just a good feeling. Just a good feeling. I, I like really, truly, like we said it last year on the pod, and I'm going to keep saying it because I, I do think we even undersold them. We all thought like 25-5 guy, good defense, easy. Easy. We think we thought that was a lock three years ago, right? And now he might put up 25-5 with the defense, and I'm like, right. it, was, it was an okay night. He, he probably could have played better. He could probably start getting to the free throw line a little bit more. He should have made those two threes he normally makes. Like, that's fun. That's a, that's a fun conversation to have. Like it's, that's a fun way to critique somebody versus be always like, man, this guy didn't show up again. Oh, for nine from the field. You know, like this is, it's, it's a fun new reality to be. In. And I'm very thankful that we finally hit on a pick in such a grand fashion. The Charlie Ward curse is going to end. And I've never been more happy in my entire life. This is just a sensational position to be in. You know, I knew it. I knew it from the moment we drafted him. I just, I knew it. And Whenever people always ask the question, RJ, you know, what's his ceiling? And I, I've been saying, like, the sky's the limit, truly, because, you know, there's such a high floor in so many different departments. Like, now we've already seen he's playing honest. I mean, it's early in the season, sure. But, like, he legitimately has a goal to be first team all defense. And I believe he's capable of it. And on it, all he has to do is play the defense. We'll do the rest. I will yell all year. I will make sure everybody knows the great defense RJ is playing. It'll show on the court. It'll show in the matchups. There was that uh, stat through five games where he had like the lowest opponent field goal percentage with a minimum of 12 shots. Like he's doing all that. And then he can come out and have a game where he's got 35 on 67% and 75% from three and make the reads that he made. Like, and there, he, he did it all. Like he shot step back threes. He, you know, sized defenders up and created three that way. He, one of my favorite plays was when he had the hesitation. He came around he did, uh, on, off the pistol and did the hezzy off the dribble handoff and, like, got the defender out of the paint and then, uh, like, stepped through with the right and extended. And I was just like, whoa, 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 hold on. This is getting out of control. You know, the rebound toward the end where he gets the rebound and he goes coast to coast and he drops his shoulder and they kill Alexander Walker and Josh Hart's coming over the top to try to block it, but he's finishing right at the basket, like – there's just so many things and this is year three. And it's like, like you just said, like, you know, like we're all saying, like when you can, when you have that, first of all, I don't, I never understood the whole thing with RJ, like a tunnel vision. RJ has been making good reads and nice passes since the first year he was here. Like, even though there was nobody to really pass to it. And even though he was being used as a three and D player when he didn't really have the three yet, like when he got the opportunity to do so, that's I've been screaming for us to try to go through him more as a playmaker. And now he's showing that he's more ready. He's got more control. He's poised. Like he, he looked like he was playing my player on pro last night. Like it's just every single, I felt like almost that's why I was getting really frustrated because it's one thing and I'm sure we'll get into Julius. I mean, he'll be fine at the end of the day. We know that, but it's like on nights where he doesn't have it, we shouldn't force it to him. And yeah. we we do that a lot, and it's frustrating because we'll be going away from RJ to do it. Like, there was a period in the fourth where, like, RJ made a – he had one of those outbursts, one of the ones that probably made you have to do a whole lot with the clipping. And then we kind of tucked him in the corner and started running around and literally in, in the other direction. And RJ didn't touch the ball for a few possessions. And I'm just like, the guy who's getting a bucket or an assist, you know, creating something on every possession – should touch it every possession, especially if the other guy doesn't have it going. It just seems like simple math. So 
I mean, my I think it was a victory for us, one, in it happening and RJ having that game, but also in moving forward, I doubt we'll go away from RJ as much. Like, there was a period last year where Tibbs left RJ on the bench in a couple of fourth quarters, and, like, a lot of us were outraged. Like, it was like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? Especially if you don't win the game. Like, is RJ on the bench already? Well, I can play. Well, like, what the hell is happening? And then he had that game. I think he's uh, – and then Anthony Edwards made his comment – then he buried the uh, Grizzlies when he finished uh, finished the basket on Ja. Uh, he buried the Raptors in the corner with the back-to-back threes. And I forgot what the third team was. But then we didn't miss RJ in any more fourth quarters. He was in all of them. So I feel like now that we had this game, we'll stop going away from him in the fourth quarter as well. And that'll be exciting. Yeah, I think he was responsible for the last, I want to say, 11 points in the last 90 seconds of that game. Because that game really got close when Devontae Graham had that and one. And then it became the RJ show again to close it. So I think the problem right now, or it's not even a problem. I mean, it's what passes for a problem in these great times is I feel like Randall and even to a much lesser extent quickly, they're not getting going. So they're kind of forcing it. And Burks as well is having an issue with this where we're going to these guys because we were used to them having to carry the full load last year with the bad spacing. Those happen to be our better isolation players. They're kind of not struggling, but you know, they're not fitting in like a glove and it's kind of like we're forcing the action, but now with RJ stepping up, you got Kemba, he's shooting 58% from three. And just to put a bow on how good the Knicks are doing, they're actually number one in three pointers made with a hundred number one in percentage and 40.7 and obviously number one attempts per game at 16.7. So they're a three-point shooting team now. I think it's just a little adjustment period on the other on the Randall and Burks part. But I think last night went a long way for Thibodeau to trust RJ now as much as he trusts Randall and Burks for what they did last year in a similar fashion. Yeah, and I do want to say too, like as much as I know guys are struggling a little bit, like we're we're gonna talk about the Burks thing in a second, but like the Randall thing. I haven't been trying to like even consider struggles of some of the starters in like a, in like a grand fashion yet, because I feel like some, like most of these guys so far at different points in these first six games have had pretty low scoring outputs at different times, whether it was RJ or Randall or, you know, Kemba in the beginning, like, and to me, I think that's very fine and normal and expected because not only did you add a lot of firepower just by way of the personnel joining the starting five, but also you changed the entire offensive scheme and approach in your attack. So to me, especially from Julius's perspective, and and this is going to surprise no one as I've always been a staunch Julius defender. So of course I'm going to put the cape on, but like he, he was the engine last year and he was also a pretty, you know, a 24, 25 per game guy. So we know how much he likes to move the ball now too. And I think right now he's still got to get acclimated. He's got a lot of weapons to play with and he doesn't know when he's supposed to pick his spots and he's still finding his way. I'm not really worried because we saw how many different ways he could eat last year, but it's just a matter of when he starts to get comfortable in this offense, the way that they're firing now. So he, I have no real season long concerns over, even if his personal numbers take a small hit, I think he's going to be, once he starts finding his way, he's going to be just as effective because they still run the ball through him for the passing. For example, the Bulls game was horrid with his with his shot attempts, right? He just could not get anything to fall. But in fairness, he was throwing dimes. He had nine assists. He found guys really good looks. And again, I know all we're going to remember is like his shortcomings, which were which were bad and not timely. The the missed free throws, it was a bad, bad ending for him, right? But 
he still found ways to be impactful, almost finished with a triple-double in one of his worst games in a while, right? Like, that's it's pretty good. Still pretty good. So I think Julius has set a strong baseline for himself, whereas other guys like Burks, you know, they, they don't have a margin for error is the thing. You know, Burks is going to come off the bench, and he's, he's got to have it. And, and this is something that we've said. I, people don't like it when we say it. It sounds very reductionist because, you know, people want us to always talk about how smart a player is and, and all these different things. But sometimes, really, when you come off the bench, it's if you got it or you don't. That's the point of a bench guy. You got to come in, you got to make an impact, and you got to do it quickly. Like, you know, that's that's how the game goes. I don't make the rules. And when Burks is on fire, of course, roll with him. We loved him all last season. If he's hitting his shots, leave him in there. We will never care. This season, too. Of course, we're looking for him to get going. But if he's not going right now, then try something else. We've always had that approach on this show. We, we don't care who it is. We don't care who it is. We just want it to work. And the fact, I just want to say, the fact that that is our biggest complaint right now, like that we just got to it, is outstanding. Outstanding from a Knicks fan perspective. Outstanding. I just want to take it. Again, I want to take a second. We should be positive these days. This is, a, if this is, like, my, my two biggest gripes are Burks and, eh, you know, I'd like to see more Obi at the five instead of seeing Taj all the time. But, again, I, if those are my complaints, they're not really complaints. Like, we're still winning. We're still hitting league-leading amounts of threes. The offense is flowing. Like, I, I can only realistically have a gripe so for so much. But, but Burks, to me, he's got to get it together. I don't know why we're sticking with him the way that we're sticking with him. I'm not saying banish him. But try something else out. I know you want to see Grimes, Sean. I know you want to oh see. Goodness. Yeah, I, I know it's time. And to me, I think you should always. You got to find an opportunity. You got to find a game or two to at least like dip their toes into the water, right? Like I think I think we're I think we're there with Burks right now. If if he's got it going again, of course let him let him have his role back. But you drafted yeah. you drafted kids for a reason. You didn't draft them to just sit in glass on the bench. Exactly. You 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 put everything there perfectly i mean i i'll start with the birth thing just because that like because i keep saying on post-game prosperity and now that like i never want to come across especially right now while we're winning and everything is good like last year i hated our backcourt i needed a forgotten he didn't like basketball he didn't try um but with Burks, like it's no hate or anything. It's just like you said, you're the bench guy. So it's like if you come off the bench and you're not bringing what we need you to bring, I might want to see what the other guy can bring. Like at the end of the day, I want Quentin Grimes to play. He was our first round draft pick. Fell in love with him right away. His jumper's beautiful. I loved him in summer league. I loved him in preseason. And yes, I know those are only summer league and preseason, but you have to give the guy a chance to play in the games at some point, like, you know, especially if you are getting the opportunity to do so. And this isn't even a huge gripe. Like, it's we're six games into the season. I don't expect Tibbs to do that in game three. But like Kyle just said, we're kind of approaching that time where it's like, we can try it out uh, coming soon. Um, and as far as Julius, you know, like, he's had a couple off games. Um, my, in the Bulls game, my frustration wasn't even with Julius. Like, if you run the offense through me all game, what am I going to do except – do it and he had nine assists so he, he found guys he did a great job my my gripe was with tips because it was like okay bro like he doesn't have it tonight and you keep calling you keep trying to run it through him and now everybody else is out of rhythm because nobody's touching the ball for real uh, so that's my issue there but i mean julius like it's only been six games and the first game julius was amazing had 35 8 and 9 like it was great he made huge plays down the stretch um, in the first Orlando game, he was finding guys. He was doing all kinds of things. He sat down early. You know, the second Orlando game, he had 30 and like 16 or something. And people were complaining like it wasn't the greatest game of his, but he had 30 and 16. You know, like even in the Sixers game, he was off 
he couldn't he wasn't hitting shots but we were playing great basketball he was flying around he was great defensively and he didn't have a triple double 16 11 and 7 so currently he, he, right now we are five and one and first in the eastern conference with julius randall not playing at his full potential and figuring things out and right now while julius randall is not playing at his full potential and figuring things out he's averaging 23 12 and 7 like and so it's you know it's just <laughs> the things that we're upset about you know it the fact that we're we're five and one and last night i was annoyed watching the game like after the game ended i was annoyed because it's like oh we're not learning from these mistakes but we're five and one it's just such a great territory to be in like i'm gonna say it all year man what a team what a time like this is great yeah it's for anyone who watches the wire it's like in season four when when they make Amsterdam and then the people on the corners are complaining about like routine shit that's like used to be like the last thing of their concern that's what it feels like right now but in terms of getting Grimes or even my guys McBride I really think either Burks or Quickly could easily slide out right now it's looking like Quickly if I'm being honest which is scary but like I said this is very small I do think there is a heavy need for a secondary perimeter lock or something close to that. I think eventually whichever rookie it is, Grimes seems like he would fit the bill more. He's bigger and older and he just seems to be more of like what Reggie Bullock was last year. If he can become a decent defender, I can easily see him at least carving into the minutes, not replacing completely Burks or quickly in that sense, because we saw it with Boston. There just wasn't like RJ was on Tatum and then Brown was just running loose. So that's something that has to be addressed down the line. I do think that's the window of opportunity for those guys. But on Julius, I'm just going to piggyback off what you guys said. There's really no reason for concern. I just think he's getting used to a world where he doesn't have to do nearly as much. Like last year, he was Superman. Now he just has to kind of just pick his spots. And I think eventually he will flow perfectly because Kemba Walker has been godsend. And just to put a bow on this, Suns fans, I feel for you. They were going through it on Twitter yesterday. They're getting the full <laughs> Alfred Payton experience, and it's it's brutal to watch. It was like watching the Mavs because the Mavs are experiencing that with KP. It's really rough. The first tweet I saw when I woke up this morning was, how did Nick fans deal with Alfred Payton last year? He's single-handedly losing us this game. I felt that, man. I really felt that. <laughs> Yo, <it was> the- <laughs> I really felt that tweet, bro. I felt like I wasn't even laughing. But I was going to put a joke. I was like, damn, like that's really brutal. I've been hate. I didn't watching. even say anything. <laughs> I've been hate. I've been hate watching the Suns because I first of all, you we all like the Suns. There, there's nobody aside from Alfred to not like on the Suns. Everybody on that team is great and fun. They play a great style of basketball. Obviously, it's why they made the finals last year. But like, I hate watching them now for his minutes. It's it's an obsession. It's unhealthy, but I do it because I just got to make sure that he's that he's still jogging around doing nothing out there and he's still jogging around doing nothing he's dying on screens he's i don't know why like i just don't get how coaches like this guy like defense is supposed to be about motor and effort and every time he plays defense he's given half-assed effort and the coaches have to see this they know more basketball than me they know more basketball than all of us you have to see this you have to be looking on the court with your eyeballs and seeing your a good defender not chasing his man or losing his or just lost my favorite remember last year he would he would always like half ass a screen and then all of a sudden the ball would they swing it back because they knew his dumb ass was going to do that and then what did they do he spins around and he doesn't know where the ball is now he doesn't even know where his man is he doesn't even know where the pass went and that's your that's a good defender to you who has no idea what's happening on the basketball court offensively it stuns me it stuns me i don't even want to waste another second talking about this bum and this pot but like 
it really makes me appreciate how well our backcourt has become because it's like it's waves now. It's waves of attacking and shot creation and, and shooting. It's like a barrage. And I honestly feel like this is this is our, our karmic retribution in a positive way because all we've done, I, I've been screaming. We've been screaming on this podcast. We wanted guards who could score, and we have been blessed. We've been blessed, guys. They, they started dropping out of the sky. $8 million. Kemba Walker, thank you. Come on. Come on. Kevin Fournier, $8 deal million. I, I thought it was too much money. For sure, I did. But you know what? I don't care. Let's go. More, more three-pointers. <laughs> Derek Rose, you're suddenly a sniper? Come on in, buddy. I'll take it. Emmanuel, quickly, pick 25. Everybody thought you were going to stink, and you're just bombing. Th- Come on. Yeah, let's get you some minutes. Let's just shoot these fucking threes, guys. I can't. RJ pulling up from three. Yeah, let's fucking go. Randall's shooting 40%, you know, since last season. Amazing. Like, what what else could you want, bro? Like, it, it's amazing to me how we upgraded so swiftly by subtraction. These were normal NBA dudes. By all accounts, Kemba was washed last year. Nobody wanted Fournier. He went to the Celtics for, what, a couple of second rounders. We were the only guys really bidding with him. Everybody else was kind of in the $50 million range. I mean, even I thought it was a little much, right? But then who the fuck cares? Because now it worked, and they're all they're scoring and hitting three. So, it's, it, I'm just thankful. We were in such a bad place last year because – I feel like we're, we're, we're pretty smart. Uh, we're egotistical on this pod because we're, we like to think we're right a lot, but we always identify the problems, right? Like we knew, we knew RJ was going to be good. And we knew that, you know, last year, everything was fine aside from the point guard slash shooting situation. And if those things got straightened out, then, you know, it'd be all bets are off. And then we got that. And now there's nothing like, cause we were so right. There's nothing like all we're going to do now for like the entire season is just like laugh and enjoy, like, offensive, good, winning basketball. I have no complaints. I'm not going to have a complaint this entire season, I guarantee you. There's there's no way. They've almost dummy-proofed the roster both systematically and with personnel, even for Tibbs. Tibbs can't go and play somebody who can't shoot the basketball now. They forced him now, no matter who no matter who he looks at on the bench. That guy can shoot a jump shot off the dribble, and he can create. They've dummy-proofed it. It's it's amazing, really, to me. Like, we're not, we're not 100% there yet, but, like, I mean, this trajectory is really something else, really something else these last two years. It's amazing. This is one of the most efficient rebuilds I've ever seen. I mean, granted, I've never watched another rebuild this closely, but wow, this is year two of Leon Rose. It's insane. But like, you know, and that's the thing. And speaking to the, you know, point of creation and quick, I feel like replacing Burks with Grimes also would help Emmanuel quickly. I think that Tibbs likes that bench lineup idea of having three guys who can create and it's cool, but now you're just taking away a lot of like IQ already has a limited amount of time on the floor. So now you've got three guys out there breaking the creation of, and honestly, Burks is kind of ahead of him on that pecking order. So he only gets, but so many opportunities to create. And now, and you know, and Burks, honestly, his, his creation opportunities, I'm not saying he's not good at us. We've seen him do it. But on, even last year, I didn't really like Point Burks. To be honest, I used to complain about it. But then he would just like figure it out. He throws some shot up. They go in. All right, I'll shut up. But like you know, if you if you start paying attention a little bit, like I I, I made a decision yesterday during the game, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start like actively like tallying or like keeping a percentage of how his creation possessions end up because it's normally not that good. Like I don't know why like Tibbs thinks he's Jason Kidd, but. Uh, it, it's not it's not a thing so i feel like if you now it's Derek and iq who are more responsible for that creation i feel like grimes fits in that lineup very well he's a great spot up shooter with a quick release 
it'll be a lot of fun. And he's a uh, he's a very solid defender. Like I can't like he's that other wing defender we need. Like, yeah, I need that. But that's my only and that's not even a complaint. So this is just a great place to be because that's not a real. It's a wish, not a complaint. In the nicest way possible, Burks is, and it's not even a slight. Burks is a park player where he'll get going one night and he'll just keep feeding the buckets. But when he's off, it's brutal because he's still going to take those same shots. Yeah, he, look, he's a high hand scorer. I mean, that's, that's what it, he he has a little bit more ball handling ability, which is why I think Tibbs probably like lets his imagination run wild with letting him stay in the game. But it's like at the end of the day, like even if he could dribble a little bit better, play make a little bit better, like he's still really there for his creation and his scoring. And if it's not there, then we got to call what it is, you know what he is. He's, he's a streaky scorer, and if he can't get that much leash, you know how it goes, unfortunately. But it is what it is. Reed said that 2021-2022 Alec Burks is a rich man, Sasha Vujicic. And I've never felt so seen. Like, that's how I feel. Like, I was like, wow, this is perfect. Like, and I'm not saying that for, like, the remainder of the year. But, like, that when I read the tweet and put it all together in my head, I was like, the math is mathing. Like, wow. It's an extreme statement. But, yeah. So, I'm hoping it gets it together. I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, when I saw I got it check again but i think dean quoted uh when i said i'd love to see Grimes. he was like let's not act like uh burks won't have 25 in a couple games and be hot for three weeks after and i was like hey bro that's he gets hot i'm gonna shut up like i'm not saying he can't score i'm just saying he's not scoring like you know and we can let somebody else do that they can see a couple other things but once again not a complaint just a wish we're five and one number one in the eastern conference and about to smack toronto like and be six and one it's gonna it's great. How about Mitchell Robinson, guys? I've been very happy with him. I've been actually not even just happy, but extremely relieved. I know RJ's a lock to break the ward curse, but now Robinson's kind of inched his way back into that talk. He did great against Joel Embiid. I know he had a couple times where he fouled and he didn't force him in where the double was coming from, but that's like really tic tacky shit. Overall, man, he's really stepped up. Don't forget, Nerlens has been out this whole time, and that was probably our best interior defender the latter half of the season. So let's also add that in to the batch of this 5-1 and one happiness. i just like really happy with Mitch. His free throws are like the only negative I could even think of. He's got to stop falling, bro. Like He's, he's got to land better Like because everything else <laughs> – I, you gotta add the dramatic SpongeBob music when he falls. Yeah, because like I'm with you. Like he's been great, and obviously that's what we wanted to see. You know, he's he's gonna look. He's trying to get paid. We want to pay him. Uh, I think they're still deciding if they want to pay him to keep him here or you know package him. It, that's like not anything sourced. That's just my own gut feeling of the way they brought Noel back. I said that when on the, on the pod at the time. It, to me, it sort of was like a a safety valve. He still had a guy who could be a passable, you know, not passable, but a real starting center in Noel. You know, even though we don't like that he has, you know, feet for hands, he's still a, a very high impact defensive starting center and somebody would pay him to start or take him to start. Right. So it is what it is. But I think they're still deciding that. But aside from that, yeah, like the injuries is basically it. It's, it's been like every night he goes down once he either leaves the game, gets up slow, tweaks something. And, and we all hold our breath. And we're like, well, yo, what is going on? How is it every single time? But aside from that, he's been great. I mean, last night I enjoyed the offense with him because we haven't seen, I mean, he's, he's had his dunks in his labs, right. But we haven't seen it like them go back to the well as often with it. 
as they did last night. Like they were like really making it a point to be like, you're going to screen high. You're going to screen off on the elbow here. And then RJ is going to come in and you just do what you do, man. And like, they were looking for it. Like it was designed, it was schemed and it happened exactly the way they drew it up. And that's why you pay Mitchell Robinson over Nerlens Noel or why you play him over Nerlens Noel because you can't do that with Noel. You don't have this aerial threat with Noel. And Mitch showing us what we were missing last year. You know, we talk a lot about the threes and the shooting, but this was another component of the offense that was missing. We didn't have it in the playoffs. We didn't have it second half of the season. You know, it kind of stifles our interior attack and leaves it to whatever Julius figures out on his own, right? And, like, that's not great. You want to you want Julius to cook, but you also want to have different things the defenses can be scared of. So the fact that we can, like, kill you at guard and then now you got to worry about our center flying and grabbing a basketball 13 feet out of the air you know, every other possession is like that. That's a, that's a great threat. That's what you want. So he's been great. Uh, he's been bouncy. He's been, looks like he lost no athleticism or, or jump uh, with the weight that he gained. I know that everybody always, I think gets a little panicky for no reason about that stuff. I mean, w- when guys come into the league, they don't weigh a lot. A lot of times they're very, they're very thin to begin with, but doesn't mean like they have to stay that way. Normally you add weight slowly over the course of your career. And then like, we look back and be like, oh, he wasn't eating anything his rookie year, his first couple of years in the league. So, I mean, I, I think, like, it's just always, like, a, a stark, dramatic thing that people see, and, and it's never anything to talk about. You know, John Hollinger over here worrying about, oh, is he going to be able to go get rebounds and block shots? I mean, like, fuck off. I mean, of course he is. I mean, what? Back when he was eating cheeseburgers all, all this whole time, bro. Like, I mean, he, he, put on good, he put on good weight. He came in looking brolic. Like, I mean, that's – how does that make you slow? That makes you stronger. You can jump farther, higher more powerfully maybe jumping too high now because he's landing the wrong way all the time but my point is i i really like what mitch has brought to the table um i think his blocks are going to be down only because our defense is probably like passively better uh last year with alfred it was like a free reign the last couple years like everybody talks about the defense but that's why to me i brought this point up on twitter why mitch and Noel so many blocks right so I think like him now not having to rely on blocking everything because the defense is so ass he can worry about being a regular good defender, worry about how he's going to defend the guy, win these battles down low with the Valanchunas, with the Vucevic's, uh, you know, these big bulky guys that he's normally struggled with, like Embiid. He put on the show versus Embiid. That's what we want to see. That's it. Literally it. We want to see you you not get tossed around like you did the first two years because you put weight on and, and hold your own and not just do that. Win some of these battles, and he started to. You know, Valanchunas still had a big night. It is what it is. He's, again, high energy. It's hard to stop that guy. He, he comes at you in waves. He never stops. He doesn't jump anywhere, but he, he has the same attack. He, he's too strong. You know, it is what it is. You're not going to win them all, but impressed by Mitch. I'm very impressed by Mitch. I, I would like for him to be here a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i overjoyed to have Mitch back and to see him, you know, getting into, you know, I mean, he came right out of the gate with 17 boards in the Boston game, so... You know, we knew he was back, but it's just really nice to see. And he he just, he's so impactful. You know, since his rookie year, I've just been, and it just keeps getting more and more true. I just feel like Nick's basketball is better when Mitchell Robinson is on the floor. Like he impacts the game on both sides. Uh, he's so athletic defensively. You know, he, not, on, not only is there no longer a turnstile handing, uh, you know, drivers to him, but when people do get there, like they're, they're deterred for sure. Cause they know he'll go get it. Um, and offensively, I mean, as a lob threat, it, it increases our spacing even more, you know, like those alleys that RJ was throwing to him, like, I want us to run that all the time. I don't understand why we don't, 
And, you know, like, because it's like, okay, RJ Strong, can get to the rack on his own. He can stop and pop. He can find somebody else and kick it out. But they've got to stay home. They can't really help like that because we got shooters. So it's now throw it up in the air for the guy that can go get it at 13 feet, like you said. And, you know, um, he's has like, he's shooting like 86% from the floor. I don't care that it's all dunks. So what? There's a lot of big men in the league who only dunk and somehow don't shoot that percentage. So I will take it. Uh, but yes, the like the he's really killing me every single night. Like he's stressing, he's taking years off of my life because he keeps going down. And it's like, it seems like it's the same foot all the time. Like it's the same, it's either the foot or the leg or something like he's reaching for it and it's the same side. And it's making me really worried. And he's limp, he'll limp for a couple of plays and he'll be right back to doing whatever he was doing. I'm just like, okay, like, are you okay or not, bro? Like, um, but he keeps playing every game and he keeps coming back in the game when he has to check out. So, but I would really love to just, you know, have like a solid, like, I don't know, three games in a row where Mitch doesn't leave or doesn't look like he's hurt just so I can. Because in those moments, I just feel like the whole season is about to change. Like, I need us to be, I mean, not that we wouldn't be good. Like, we'd still be good. But, like, I need us to be the best team that we can be all season. And for us to be the best team that we can be, Mitchell Robinson being a man in the middle is a huge part of that. Like, he's 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 a huge part of it. And with his new strength, he's, he's a great screener. Like, he's also gotten much. His rookie year, he couldn't set a screen to save his life. And now, you know, he's got the brick wall badge now. It's it's just beautiful to see the growth, man. And, you know, to have him and RJ, like, growing together and, you know, but also being, like, players who are here and ready right now today, like, we're in great hands. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be our Kobe and Shaq. It's crazy. And he's exactly the center we need for our new refurbished offense because if we're going to launch a lot of threes, we're going to need somebody that gets offensive boards that's one thing Mitch has always excelled at, and he excelled at last year and something where Noel kind of lacks in. I mean, right now, Mitch is ranked ninth in the league, 3.2 offensive rebounds per game, and that extends possessions, and that allows Kemba to get another shot or RJ or Evan, and then sooner or later, those total up, and a two-point deficit's actually a three-point lead in some cases. So that's a big part of what he brings. It's not as sexy as the blocks. I'll credit that, but I think it's – way more important than anything he does on defense, which is saying something. Yeah. Noel, Noel is a strictly defensive center, defensive rebounds, defensive blocks. Like, that's it. Like, he's only there for defense. Like, on offense, like, no offense to Noel. He's almost just non-existent. He almost just takes up space. Not trying to be rude, but that's just – to me, that's why he's the perfect bench center because you can come in and be, like, tremendously high impact in extended minutes even if Mitch leaves the game or he's in foul trouble. Like, he, he Noel could play 25, 30 minutes, no problem. But also, do you want to have him out there if he's going to hamper the offense, right? So, like, that's the balance. And I think, like you said, like, now we get that element back in our offense and everything makes sense, you know? Mitch is perfect because he just dunks the ball, he screens, and then he gets the fuck out of the way. That's it. That's all he's – that's perfect. And then when he does come in, it's a shot went up, I got to go get this board for – like, that's the perfect modern center if you're not going to be shooting the basketball from three to me. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a good fit. You know, we have all these guys that need the basketball, and now you need a guy who does it. And Mitch is perfect for that. So it's a good basketball team, man. I, I love watching these matchups. Like, tuning into the Bulls game the other night, I was so excited. I was texting you guys. I was mad excited about it. it it's nice to, like, you know, there's a lot. We, we do this thing as Knicks fans where, like, we always have to, like, hate another team in the East that, like, gets credit for stuff or might be good. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really enjoy that. Like, the Hawks now, yeah, fuck the Hawks. After last year, it, all bets are off. Of course, of course. But – like the Bulls, I, I don't hate the Bulls. I, I 
I enjoy that the Bulls are on the rise right now with us. To me, I, I think the Bulls got clowned for a while too with their dysfunction and the things that were happening there. And you always heard about, you know, Gar Foreman and these other guys ruining everything. To me, I, I like that the Bulls are back on the rise. And I like it that it's on the rise at the same time as the Knicks because to me, it makes the East more interesting. Sorry, it just does. I, I have no Levine's awesome. DeRozan's awesome and has been shitted on relentlessly for years. I had, I mean, these are not guys that I have any ill will in my heart for that or got overrated praise or anything like that. These are guys that, to me, they got the opposite. They're almost in the same position. Nobody give a fuck about these guys. I heard about empty stats, Zach Levine. How many years? You know? So to me, it's like, yeah, I, I would like the Bulls to be good with us. I, the, to me, that's a good, respectable opponent that I enjoy. I, I want to keep seeing the Bulls. I want to see how many of these battles we have. I'd like to see you in the playoffs. Like, I, I would prefer that. I want to see them there. And some of these other East teams they, that have been here for so long or waste my time, like the Pacers. Nobody wants to see the fucking Pacers, bro. I'm sorry. I, I don't like them. I never have. It's a waste of time. I mean, yeah, sure, they got some fun players, good players, but it's a waste of everybody's time. We're not tuning in for the Pacers, bro. But, like, Knicks, Bulls, Bulls out East. Bulls, I mean, to me, that's good. That, that, that's my only, like, I think we got to like learn how to redirect some of our hate sometimes, you know, I know we're always clawing for our credit, but like we're getting it right now because we're giving people no choice. And I think we got to just like relax a little bit and some of the other stuff. Like but to me, the Bulls game was great because Bulls fans are great on Twitter. Everybody was tweeting at each other. That's how it should be. That's two hungry fan bases who finally started to get back. I Having it. said that, having said that Bulls fans are need to cut it out with crying over that Patrick Williams thing saying it was intentional. For those that don't know, that foul that Mitch had that ended up, I think he fractured his wrist or whatever it was. Sorry. They were like, yeah, they were crying about that. <laughs> Meanwhile, DeRozan does like a trip tackle, like he's Ben Roethlisberger on RJ in the open court. Like, let's 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 simmer down. Like, come on. That, that was annoying too. Cause like that's the thing. What you're saying. And I feel like, you know, it happens a lot. I just feel I, I always I feel like we're not used to winning. So there's a lot of fans out there who don't know how to operate when we're winning. So like, you don't have to be mad that another team got better. Like, like you said, I'd rather be the bulls than the Pacers 100%. Like, and it's cool to have like a Knicks bulls thing. Like, you know, those Robert, but they still like when the last dance comes on, like we're a huge part of that. That's cool. Like if you're not a part of things like that, it means you suck. So <laughs> we can allow this to happen. We can allow them to cover other, like we don't have to be woe is me all the time. Like we can really just, when we're a good team, we can just focus on being a good team and being excited for those matchups. Like going into the Bulls game, that was like my, one of the highest like excitement levels I've had for a regular season game. I mean, well, all of our games are regular season games before, but it was just really high excitement. It felt like a playoff game. It was like, yo, this is a big game. You know, was, you know, like the Bulls fans are active on Twitter. You know, there's going to be a lot of back and forth. Everyone else knows. They see the Bulls are undefeated. They see us going in there. Like, even the people who aren't fans of our teams are going to talk about this after. Everybody's going to watch. Like, that's that's what happens when you're a good team. So just let it happen. Um, but yeah, like the the Pat Will thing, like, on, and there's some, there were like, I don't know, I, I, I doubt they're TKW people, but, you know, some people like were celebrating the injury. I, that's weird. Don't do that for anything. That's so nasty. Like, yep. don't, stu even if they were like, oh, a Bulls fans like made 9 11. First of all, whatever one Bulls fan made that is horrible, terrible, but don't now make us all look bad because you're going like, that's stupid. Don't get into that. Everybody should just enjoy their teams and be respectful. Like the Patrick Williams thing was tough, but honestly, like he cuffed Mitch's arm. Like he literally, he was trying to, he was trying to poster him and he cuffed his arm and like, you know, then tried to go. So 
that that's why Mitch hit him in the face because Mitch got pulled out of the air by him cuffing his arm. But if you choose to not, how I don't know how you post a slow motion video and don't watch it, but they went. A lot of people know. always want to attribute blame. Sadly, uh, we live in a society where you always got to compare or you got to somebody's wrong for something, somebody's bad and wrong. That's how it always is online, every time. And I think everybody forgets in sports, especially basketball. Like these are contact sports, and incidental contact not only exists but it's like the majority of all the contact because believe it or not, most of the athletes are not trying to be dirty and hurt each other at times that are also trying to complete a basketball play. It's normally how I think about it, right? Like Pat Williams in the air. Nobody, when Mitch jumps to contest, Pat, Mitch is not thinking about a dirty block on Pat. You know what I mean? He's just jumping to block. And then sometimes you jump and then it doesn't go the way you thought for either person, right? Like that's just sort of how it happens. And you run into somebody, you fall, it's called an accident. It's called like that's all, all that I th- I could I couldn't believe that it was even a thing online. I woke up the next morning. I don't even know what how it even happened. I think you know to Sean's point, like you got to stop responding to some of these people. You know, just because you see a Bulls fan say something, that doesn't mean like all Bulls fans are saying something. And you just got to let shit go sometimes, man. Like it's not worth responding to. Is, is it a respectable Bulls fan? Does this person have a following? Does they have a history of saying not ridiculous things? Like ask yourself these questions before you just want to be angry and respond. I say this as a person who has to take that advice every day. You see me, I'm not arguing on Twitter anymore. I'm tired, bro. I'm tired. I'm so tired of arguing with you guys about everything. The other night, mostly Knicks fans I like, right? The other night, it was the Bulls game. RJ, RJ was fine. He had, he had a great all-around game. But I made one tweet after he, he nobody keeps this in mind when we're watching games, right? One tweet. After he made the, he had two straight attempts at the rim where he like literally just threw his body into the defender and flailed at the rim. And then Austin was, whoa, I just got to relax right now. And everyone immediately, what are you talking about? He's got to keep shooting. You know, if he wants to get better, it's like, guys, I'm not talking about like grand scheme. I don't even talk about the rest of the game. If I'm literally talking about the one fucking possession where he just chucked his body into somebody and flailed, like sometimes just chill out, bro. Not everyone's trying, like trying to like undermine the agenda, the like, Look at yourself. I tweet every day. Good morning, losers. RJ Barrett had a great game. Uh, why would I be uh, like, you know, like ask yourself this stuff. Just please like use your brain like 1% of the time and just ask yourself this stuff before you come and yell at people. I promise you it'll go a long way. We're supposed to be in a happy season. Let's stop getting nitpicky on stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't a dirty play. It wasn't a dirty play. And, and that's all you need to do as an Knicks fan. It wasn't a dirty play. Like, I don't know. There's nothing to even argue about. He was in the air. Like shit happens. Sorry. The DeRozan thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think DeRozan's a dirty player. I think he probably thought he wanted to make a quick intentional foul and then it turned to, well, only thing I could do is grab his foot. And then it turned into, well, I shouldn't have done that. That was pretty stupid. I got a flake foul. And even then, what are we complaining about? Because the NBA agrees it was dirty because he got a flagrant foul. We don't have to like prove because the judgment went in our favor. Mitch did not get ejected from the game for anything dirty because he did nothing dirty. It was a bad incidental contact. DeRozan got a flagrant foul. The NBA agrees with us. The agenda is there. We don't have to do, there's no proving it. Let Bulls fans argue against themselves. Cause that's, that's all that's happening. Then they just, they're angry. They lost because we didn't choke the game away all the way. Like we should have at the end because you know, Rowan had DeMar DeRozan and, and Rikers on the last possession. Didn't bite on, on the classic pump fake. Sorry. Sorry. That's how it goes. Sorry. Zach didn't get the basketball. Sorry. Zach put his hands in the air. Like that was going to be a bucket at the end. And it was an air ball. Sorry. That'll make the rules, but uh, I mean, just just enjoy enjoy the wins, man. If we went ugly, whatever happens, like 
no injuries right now to us. Everybody's good. Everybody's running. Everybody's got relaxed, man. We, we got to get out of this mode. We're still in combat mode sometimes as fans, but I promise. Coming from like the combat Twitter expert, me yelling at everybody all the time, stop yelling at everybody, bro. Just have fun. I, I just want everybody to just relax and have fun this season. Nobody's got to yell at you. I, we should 45, 50 wins. We're going to be somewhere thereabouts, right? Hopefully a little over. I mean, things go right. It's just like, let's just enjoy it, man. We never get to all like look around at each other and go, you know, we all agree about this stuff. Yeah, there's nothing argued about. <laughs> We're all in agreement. Nobody's angry about anything. Uh, this worked better than any of us could have predicted or imagined. Uh, even the, the biggest of homers. So let's just let's fucking enjoy the season, man. Uh, like, I, you know, personally, I've had a rough year. I, I can't believe that they're this good. It, it, like, I still, like, have to ask my, my, you know, my wife asked me, she's like, they won again? Yeah, they won again. I don't know why. They keep winning. It just, it's just what happens now. This is the new reality. I don't know how we got into this timeline. I never thought we'd be here, but we are. So please guys just enjoy it. Log into Twitter and be happy. Just, that's it. That's it. That's all I'm asking for people. Just be yeah, like yeah, him. Focus on our team. Yeah, be like him, but that's a great. That's a great always smiling. <laughs> it, it made me mad happy when for opening night where like they had him mic'd up. He's just talking to like literally everyone in the Celtics and everyone's just like so happy to see him and he's so happy to see them. It's just like, just be like Kemba, man. Just a happy he seems person. like such a great guy. You know what I didn't like? Uh, DeMar, it was really cool when RJ did his post game or whatever. And, you know, he said, you know, I've seen that pump fake a million times. You know, I grew up in Toronto. Like, he was the man in Toronto. Like, I looked up to him, all that stuff. And then uh, somebody, I, I saw a clip from DeMar DeRozan's interview. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I got an open look and I just missed it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I did not hear that. That's like pretty hater. Bro, that's so nasty. That's so <laughs> disgusting. Like, you got an open look? You got an open look and airballed? You, that's embarrassing, bro. Like, come on. Look. We got show, stills, show, my guy. Bro, show some respect. You were in jail, bro. What do you mean you got an open <laughs> look? You pump faked with an open look? Stop it. Stop it. You pump faked. What do you mean an open look? You pump faked and he didn't go for the pump fake. That's now you're even less open than you were before the pump fake. And then Mitch came over and helped too. Like that was nowhere near open. So for you to say, I, I just, I got to go back and like take the clip of him saying that. And then just like, or somebody please do it for me. Cause I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say I want to, but <laughs> I got to take the clip of him saying that and then put the clip of the shot after. And it was like, okay, come on. What are we doing? That was gross. That was really disgusting. I didn't know about that. Lost respect for him there. Yeah, I wish I didn't see it. That's some bitter old head vibes. Like, that is Whoa. like... <laughs> he was just giving you, like, daps. It's like, yo, I watched him growing up. Like, a good play. Like, insinuating that he's a good player and he's seen that move. And then you say that. That's pretty lame. All right. Rivalry's so back lame, on. bro. Yeah, exactly. F the Bulls, bro. Like, now I hope crazy. RJ just, like, decides, like, all right, Levine, you can have your 40. I'm going to make sure DeRozan scores nothing for the rest of the game. Yeah, I, 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 that's more, honestly, I'm right there with you. That's why we need to hurry up and get some Quentin Grimes minutes so he can handle Levine a little bit. Because, yeah, I need next game it to just be RJ on DeRozan the entire time. I need Tibbs matching the minutes and everything. Like, oh, he's sitting out. He's getting back up. Go ahead, RJ. <laughs> like, that's what I need all game. For however many minutes he plays, I need RJ on him for every second because that pissed me off. Yeah, the audacity to say that you missed an open shot. Oh my, yeah, but it wasn't even open. Like, if he was like, oh, I should have done a move or I should have kicked it out. Bro, you were not open and not even for a second in that game. 
at any point, bro. It was perfect. They made the inbound pass, and it's crazy because when they made the inbound pass, I was like, oh. When when they made the inbound pass, I was like, oh, they're gonna like get the rubber, the dribble handoff to get back to Levine or whatever. He's gonna like be able to turn the corner. RJ played it perfectly, called out the switch, hopped <laughs> over. Like, come on, like you were never open. You turned that corner, there was nowhere to go. You tried to pump eight to no, none of that. Absolute jail. You go, you go straight to jail. You had to tackle him earlier in the game because you were in prison. It's not easy to get used to getting old, I guess, but. It's that's what's going on with DeRozan, and unfortunately for him in Chicago, it ended up poorly. But on the youth side, though, now go ahead. Oh, my bad. I just love that people are going to continue to move the goalposts. Like after that one game, we played Philly, and Mitch locked up Joel Embiid. It was like, oh, he's hurt, he must be hurt. Like, you know, (laughs) he's he's he he had 14 points, he had five turnovers, and he shot 10 of 11 from the free throw line. So it's like, you only got anything from the line. Like he must be hurt, and then he came out like the next night and had like thirty and eighteen on Detroit. Was, like it looks fine to me, bro. I think he just got locked up. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's like yeah, it's like I, I can't believe this is happening because the Knicks are usually sucky. It's like no, this is the new reality, guys. Like, just give us the credit, man. Like Mitch was great on him. Todd Todd has been great overall, just completely. And we had a great our scheme on Embiid was beautiful. Oh, it was perfect. That's why I wanted Philly last year in the playoff series. Not because I don't think so Philly bad. sucks, but I know Thibodeau A knows Doc Rivers well, and B, Philly's really bad. Like if you just shrink the core, if you take away Embiid or even let Embiid go off by himself, they're pretty easy to stop. Because they have to run the offense to him. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you focus the attention on him, like, oh man, yeah. I honestly, it's crazy, and it, like I'm trying, like I'm really doing my best because you know how I get, but like. Man, like the sky's the limit, bro. I'm about to start. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to say things I don't want to say, but it's just like, damn, man. Like, there's there's nothing I don't think this team can do, especially with the way the Eastern Conference is shaped up right now. Like, I mean, we're this team can go as far as this team decides to go. Like, honestly, yeah, this is and beautiful. People are even this... hitting their strides, which is the crazy. Like we've talked about the whole pod, but Obi Toppin, we haven't mentioned yet. He's been playing well, and he's still like not i feel like he still has way more to give them off the bench so that's like another mm-hmm. piece that's we're like not missing but you know not at a hunt not operating at 100 percent. so like i could easily see like everyone's saying regression this regression that i think anything less than a top six seed is a failure in this season if everyone stays healthy injuries obviously but i'm seeing top six personal goal is like top four honestly because if kemba's playing like this you have a point guard with a star level scoring who can close out games. And then you have Randall who's a triple threat, a uh, triple double threat, RJ two way terror, Fournier corner specialist. And you got Mitch as the anchor. I mean, then you have the bench mob. Like that's a real, like what other teams are that deep? We have the nets who are like the polar opposite. And then you have the bucks who are just the bucks are like the only monster. And then you have a bunch of other teams that are kind of middle of the road to me. Bro, honestly, like to be completely honest, <clears throat> I intend to be a one seed all year. Like, that's my goal. (laughs) And I I don't think it's unrealistic. Like, I almost want to run the Eastern Conference like the Jazz ran the West last year. Like, you know, we're we're playing really well. Like, and the Bucs are losing games. And I was saying last year, too, I was like, okay, they won the championship, yes. But they were never immortal as a regular season team. Like, even last year's regular season, they were three seed. We were like four games behind them in the standings last year. And we sucked. 
our bat, I mean, our backcourt sucked. So like, we were nowhere near as good as, as a team we could have been. So it's just like now with the way we're playing, like the, even the next part of our schedule is still pretty favorable. Like, you know, and it's just when you start to look at it and when you, when you start to face off against certain teams and it's like, okay, like what? We were supposed to be afraid of the Phillies and the Bostons and the Chicago's and we smacked them already without even really hitting our full stride. And now we're getting a like this version of RJ Barrett. I mean, of course, you're not going to have 35, eight and six every night, but like, you know, RJ being trusted more by Tibbs makes us an even better team. Like we're, the defense will get together. Guys will start to gel. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. The sky really is the limit. Like I, I was already thinking we could potentially get a top three seed. Now I expect a top three seed. And I almost feel like we can be the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't see any reason we can't be the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and then this is not like player – like this is not really on-court stuff, but it does matter. We see with Bucks where they actually like each other. I feel like no team likes each other more than the Knicks right now. Like it literally feels like a high school team and, or like a college team in a good way. And it shows on the court. The vibes are immaculate. And even Brian Scalabrini, he was like, Nick fans, like, I see Tom Thibodeau out at dinner with, like, the whole team. He's like, you know, you don't normally see this. Like, Brian Scalabrini's been around the league for a long time. Yeah, like, Tibbs is smiling. He's like, breaking the record for Tibbs smiles. I haven't seen Tibbs smile that much ever. Like, <laughs> we're breaking the record for Tibbs smiles. We're number one in everything to do with three-point shooting. Like, we're having a blast. Oh, we're having a blast, man. It's so man. beautiful. It's really good times. Not much to complain about. Truly. Like, it's just nothing but happiness. And I'm very thankful to, you know, once I just feel like it's, it's worth repeating again. I, I'm so thankful to Leon Rose and to Tom Thibodeau and to World Wide West and to Scott Perry. Johnny Bryant. Anybody in, yes, Johnny Bryant, like Coach uh, KP, like, Anybody involved in anything that's going on, like, just thank you because the joy that I feel in my life, like, I go out to places and people are like, hey, like, the Knicks are doing well. Like, you must be so happy. I live in Florida. Like, <laughs> you must be so happy. Everybody knows that, it just, that you can see the happiness on my face. Like, the Knicks are good. Like, I don't I don't even know. If you, if you ask me about my problems in life right now, I'd have a tough time getting to it for you because my first thing is going to be like, the Knicks are 5-1, and one, bro. I don't know. <laughs> it's just fun to have, like, like yeah exactly like you said like people are actually looking for people that aren't used to watching the Knicks like we're pretty hardcore fans we are hardcore fans now like the general people like the general public are starting to be like oh the Knicks are cool like I think I'm gonna hit a game soon like that's cool again like it's that wasn't there for shit at least 10 years like Mello was the last time I remember people even giving two shits about the Knicks So, no, the only thing I was going to say on this note was um, for, like, the first three years we did this podcast, everybody used to yell at me because everybody everybody that got hired, a head coach, a GM. Like a basketball, like president of basketball operations, whatever, right? Everybody that came here, I, I never believed in you openly because, like, why would I believe in you just because you got hired? I don't – to me, like, there's no appeal in a new hire, even with the Jets right now. I don't care. Robert Salah, I don't care about him, right? Like, good, good win today, first of all. And we're all Jets fans here. I have no idea. Welcome to the fucking greatest show on turf, the Mike White Show, baby. Amazing. But <laughs> but um, I don't care about new hires. Prove it to me. 
to this is a results oriented business. I'm never going to give anybody credit ahead of time because that's so stupid to me. You have to come in here and prove to me that the job that you were going to do, you know how to do it and your plan is working. If I don't see a plan and then it's working, I don't care ever, ever. And I didn't care the last three, four years we did this pod and everyone used to get so mad. I'm so pessimistic. I'm negative. I'm this, I'm that. We're in the lottery every year. None of the draft picks are panning out. I have every right to be pessimistic. I have every right to be angry. I want to see this team be good. That's it. That's it. Now the team is good. You never hear a fucking peep out of me. I never get on and I complain. What do I complain about? The national media isn't giving RJ Barrett attention. That's my only real complaint. He's getting left off lists of young players all the time. And that will endlessly bother me. If everybody knows ball, everyone knows ball. Now nobody on TV knows ball, right? Everybody online does though. And then everybody online likes to not talk about RJ Barrett. So, okay. So, I mean, your jackass is just like the guys on TV, but to me, I just want a guys that were going to come in here, shut up and do the job. That's it. Just shut up and do your job. All I ever cared about Leon Rose gets hired. What happens? Everybody starts shutting up and doing their job from top to bottom, from the management to the players, from Randall to RJ, all the way up to Leon to West. These guys just shut up every day and they get to work. That's it. They lose. What happens? Julius Randall's up till 4 a.m. Sick. Disgusted. Disgusted they lost in the Orlando Magic. Sick about it. Good. Good. I was also sick about it. It makes me feel good that you were sick about it. You never hear from Leon. You never hear from Wes. You never hear, oh, you know, we're building a great culture here. You know, we really believe in our guys. We believe in our head coach. You know, hopefully we can maybe make the playoffs. You don't hear these empty promises. You hear nothing. All you hear is Tibbs angry. We got to get better. That was unacceptable. We we gave up these points at the end of the fourth quarter. We got to get better. All I ever wanted from an organization. Be about business. That's it. Show up, get the results, talk later. That's it. And now that you're doing that, we could talk for you. That's all that I really care yeah. about at the end of the day, bro. Like, that's what I'm here for. I'm not here to, like, make the Knicks sound bad ever. I want them to be good. And if you're going to be good consistently, like, well, now, now you have my, my blind faith. It takes a lot for me to believe in a front office, believe in a plan, believe in development, believe in really anything with the Knicks for the last two years. How could you not? I mean, again, we talked about the beginning of the pod with the three-point attack. But, I mean, th- normally we make a wish list and they never get to it. And not only do they never get to it, but it's never even close. It's like, well, why did we sign out for Peyton again? That makes no sense. Well, that, well, what was the point of that, right? But then this year they're like, okay, you guys want scoring? You want three-point shooting? Okay. Okay, we're going to do exactly that. And then what happened in the draft, right? Every year I say, okay, just just take guards. I don't know why they never get this. Just take guards. Take as many guards as you can until it works. Like, just keep taking them. What they do? Start taking guards. Every single draft. Guard, 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 guard. Thank you, bro. Thank you. You guys understand it. You caught up. You caught up. You understand. Thank you. Like, it makes me very happy. They haven't won anything. Now now we got to go further. We can't just accept the bare minimum of getting back to the playoffs. Of course, I get it. But the fact that you can see the trajectory working so well, it really is a testament. It doesn't mean everything's fixed, but it really truly means that for the first time, really truly for the first time, because even in the mellow era, it really wasn't fixed. It was just like they figured out a way, a better path temporarily before imploding, right? Now it doesn't seem to be the case. They're not on a timeline with the superstar because we don't know who really the superstar is. It might be RJ in a few years. Randall might get even better because at the beginning of you know the first three, four games, it'll get even better than last year. You don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. You don't know how good these guys are going to get. You don't know who we might be able to trade for in these situations. Like suddenly the possibilities are unlimited. Suddenly there's untapped potential everywhere you look, whether it's development uh, or, or resources or things like that. So for me, I just can't believe we got it this fast, this fast. We always thought it would come a day when, like, they would start to seem competent and normal, and it came rapid speed and quietly. And that's all that I've ever wanted from the New York Knicks, to show up and be about business. I, I'm, it's a great feeling. That's probably the be- best part about it. You know, they don't say nothing. 
I don't even know what Leon Rose's voice sounds like. Exactly. Amazing. I never want to hear him. <laughs> never want to hear it. It's beautiful. I have no idea what he sounds like. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, so that's pretty much all that I had for this episode. It's a, we just wanted to have a good, positive return to your feeds, return to your ears. Uh, we're going to get back to the schedule. You know, we'll be back weekly. And, again, we got this, uh, this post-game pod team coming up again i'm gonna just tease it here at the top and at the bottom of the pod just want to make sure you guys know and understand that uh we're trying to bring you more content now i'm sorry for the break i'm sorry that i held this back temporarily but we do got a lot more things coming up and we want to you know we're going to be more on the ball for you guys so don't worry about that uh more on that this week probably towards the end of this week we just gotta you know dot a couple of t's and cross a couple of, you know we'll dot a couple of t's no cross a couple of t's dot a couple of i almost said it backwards that doesn't work that way but um yeah but that, that's about it uh, also thank you guys for all the support uh just you know first of all on social media in general we're about to come up on forty thousand on twitter if you haven't followed already make sure you're following uh we have an excellent tribute coming once we hit 40,000. I don't want to say say for who. Uh, if you're a real Knicks fan, you should probably guess what's coming. And I'll let you, you guys know us, so you probably know what's coming. Um, so 40,000 is coming. Uh, be, be part of it because we really want to drop what we're going to drop. And uh, aside from that, also really, as always, thank you for supporting the brand by way of the merchandise. Um, every time we drop shirts, you guys, you guys are really, really good about ordering. And I appreciate that. But I'm Really bringing it up now, not to tell you to buy shirts, but more so to be understanding of after you purchase the shirts. I'm just explaining it, you know, uh, vocally here. Supply chain issues have caught up to everybody, including the Knicks wall. So um, your shirts have been ordered. If you've ordered them, if they haven't gotten there yet, normally we're very, very fast. Three or five business days, design tree is amazing. Um, they're doing everything they can within reason, but there's only so much you can do when things aren't leaving the docks at the times that they're supposed to be leaving them. So... Right now, you can expect 10 to 14 business days. If you guys are going to buy ahead of holidays, I'm going to start up a sale well ahead of time. I'm not waiting until Black Friday and everything else. You know, we like to do the sales for you guys. So I'm going to have something up. You guys can do your holiday shopping early. I want you guys to get it well ahead of time because I don't want anybody stressing out about deadlines or we can't control whatever's happening at the shipping docks right now. So all we can control is dropping them early, and that's what we'll do for you guys. My error on the beginning of the season stuff because – I didn't do my homework on that stuff. I have caught up now and we will, you know, get better there moving forward. But um, just keep reading the next walk, keep following, uh, keep finding Sean outside MSG while he's screaming jail uh, after another <laughs> victorious Knicks game. Uh, he, he, I believe is going to be there uh, for the Raptors game, right? Sean, Monday. I will. I will, I will be there. So if you're, if you're there, catch me. I, I would love to meet every single one of y'all. It's so dope when, and then you're like, you guys are like, you guys know us. It's so dope. It's really great. It feels amazing. I don't even have the words for it. But yeah, uh, pregame prayers in front of the garden at the game is 7.30. So I guess like 7. No, people got to find their seats. So 6.50. Yeah, in front of the garden. We out there. It's lit. As you can yeah, see so on the shirt if you're watching. Literally lit. So so make sure you follow. Make sure, I mean, just check the next ball. You'll see when Sean pops up. We always give you guys notice. But uh, definitely make sure you go because the last time was sensational. I'd like for Sean to uh, have a round two for that. So make sure you follow. But um, that's about it. We will talk to you guys next time and take it easy. Go next. Go next. Peace. Peace.